You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony. Jessica Knoll was an editor for Cosmopolitan magazine. Her new novel is The Luckiest Girl Alive. Thank you for joining me, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Jessica, this is a powerful and intense story. Tell us about discovering the voice of Tiffany Finelli. So when I sat down to write the novel, um, I knew that I wanted to write a character who had a very distinct voice and could possibly be even polarizing for some readers um, because, you know, she has a lot of edges. But it was also important to me that she wasn't just a stock kind of villainous character. Um, So she also has a lot of heart and she has a lot of compassion for people. Um, and I think that that makes her a really compelling character because she's flawed and she's layered um, and she's not perfect, um, but she's also not all bad either. This novel is very intense. It's a kind of book that you pick up to read and pretty much finish reading in the one session that you started it. And I, at its heart are uh, some events that I think are very intense and the writing as powerful as Tiffany's voice is the writing for some of these events is just phenomenal there's a scene partway through that you can tell us about and you um, just wrote an essay on Jenny about this so Lenny Mm -hmm. um, you just wrote an essay on Lenny about this (laughs) so tell us about creating the scene and then creating uh, the essay. Why did the scene uh, inspire the essay? So the the scene in which you refer, um, Ani uh, is in high school and she goes to a party and she's a victim of a gang rape. And um, I write in this essay for Lenny that um, something very similar happened to me when I was younger. And I when I wrote the book, um, I hadn't talked about what had happened to me for almost 14 years. And it it just kind of came out as I was writing it. And then when the book was published, I heard from so many readers who, um, who had also experienced similar things and would ask me about that scene and, you know, why I wrote it and how I was able to capture it as vividly as I was. And, um, for a couple of months, I did this little song and dance about it where I, I didn't talk about my own experience. And then I was getting ready to go on this paperback tour, and I knew I was going to get those questions. And I thought, you know, I, I when I don't, when you don't talk about something like this, that's what gives it, the, that's what makes it something shameful. So when you don't talk about something, it's because it's shameful. So my goal in talking about it is to make myself feel less ashamed and hopefully make others who have been through similar experiences know that they have nothing to be ashamed of either. I, I think that the 14 years of internalizing those events must have inspired the writing, mm-hmm. the character, the voice, and all the sharp edges. Did you do anything else to try to um, help yourself in those times, in those intervening years? Um, you're definitely right that not talking about it for 14 years, it was like a, a, a very intense anger kind of boiled in me for all that time. And I think that's why her voice is so angry, too. Um, I think... 
I didn't really do much to help myself. I just thought uh, that if I could if I could get out into the real world and prove myself and become very successful, that that would um, that that would help me heal in a way. And what I'm learning through this is, and this is something that Ani learns too, is that, well, that's a great plan for success, but it's not a great plan for healing. Um, and that the healing comes when you talk about it and when you cry about it and that that's the hard work actually. Um, and that there's no weakness in crying about it. So I had gotten to a point where I was very flat about it. Like I could, I could tell people close to me that that had happened to me, but I would experience absolutely no emotion in talking about it. And now I experience emotion in talking about it. And that's that's hard and it's hard to experience that but that is what's going to get me over the hump i think one of the things that is so powerful about the book too is the um way that the twists that come the the way these revelations come and there's some more than one they echo in create in the reader the same kind of shock that the real events feel. And mm-hmm. I think that that's an interesting use of literature to create emotions in readers that the sheer shock of what you're reading, and not it doesn't necessarily mean that what you're reading about, but just the surprise mm-hmm. element um, echoes and is an analog for the surprise of the kind of things that can happen to us without warning and in much the same way as a reader. You're just reading, right? Mm -hmm. It just happens. Right. So Ani says that, you know, she has this thing where she just always feels like something bad is about to happen. And so that's kind of, um, that's, that tension is played out throughout the book um, because something bad is about to happen. Um, and and she's kind of lived her life on edge because of these, you know, very traumatizing experiences she had when she was younger. And so she's always kind of, you know, just tensing and like waiting, like what, when is the shoe going to drop? When's the other shoe going to drop? Um, yeah. So I, 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 glad that that reads. <laughs> <laughs> Translating this into a movie, which mm-hmm. is is happening, uh, what kind of challenge was that for you? Well, the second book is much more of a challenge than the screenplay, I have to say, because the screenplay, the material was already there. So it was just, of course, there's the challenge in boiling it down because with the screenplay, you get no more than 120 pages and there's a lot of white on the page. So um, you have to be very concise and think about ways that you can communicate certain information or certain kind of shifts in the character's um, emotional temperature uh, via maybe a gesture, you know, or um, or music or something like that, and to not waste words in explaining some of the um, some of the uh, you know happenings in the story. So, um, so those there were challenges presented to me there, but. Mostly I looked at it as a really fun challenge and a way to reimagine the characters and give them, you know, all new dialogue and and um, kind of go on another journey with them and give them a second life. So it was it was a challenge, but it was a very fun challenge. It strikes me that movies can be very powerful because mm-hmm. when we see a movie, we just submit to it mm-hmm. and that. You have written a movie that will echo events in your own life, and you'll have to watch that again. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you – have you thought about that? 
I don't think I have because it seems so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm sure, you know, if and when we get closer to that point, it will be something that um, I I kind of ready myself for. But in the moment, uh, I'm, I, I just try and look to what the next thing is and focus my energy there. And, and unfortunately, seeing the movie on screen is not the most immediate next thing. <laughs> it's the uh, next for book. Me. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to the surprises within your next book. I've been speaking with Jessica Knoll. Her new novel is The Luckiest Girl Alive. Thank you for joining me, Jessica. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotron.com slash agony.